Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey folks, quick caveat to the episode that you're about to listen to. This episode was recorded prior to the news of Nas Reed re-signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves. So please keep that in mind. It doesn't really change anything in this episode since we don't actually talk about Nas Reed a lot. But yeah, just wanted to throw that out there. With that said, please enjoy the episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you down with non-taxpayer MLE? Yeah, you know me. You down with BAE? Yeah, you know me. You down with taxpayer MLE? Yes, you know me. I was going to say, yeah, if the right trade comes along and we can retain most players from last (laughs) season, maybe. Maybe. (laughs) I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. And with the draft out of the way, we are jumping straight back into our off-season free agency coverage and giving our updated thoughts on the Lakers' taxpayer MLE and non-taxpayer MLE slash BAE options and targets. But first, Tommy, Chris Paul is now a Golden State Warrior, so (laughs) he is no longer an option. Uh, Quickly, how do you feel about missing out on Chris Paul? Obviously, it would have made the Lakers' life a bit easier with free agency, I guess, with regards to how they use their exceptions, knowing that the point guard spot is covered, assuming they bring back D'Angelo Russell. But yeah, maybe Chris Paul to the Lakers was never meant to be, but your thoughts on, quote-unquote, missing out on Chris Paul. So now that we know where the team ended up with the draft, in other words, like they kept the pick, and not only did they keep the first-round pick, but they drafted like a combo guard, it it kind of makes the Chris Paul thing sting a little bit more. I mean, look, we were not by no means entitled to Chris Paul. Even if he was waived by the Wizards, who knows who he would have signed with. There were some rumors that for some reason he's still into the Clippers. I have no idea why. But, you know, he, he, he like you said, it kind of just... If you can get Chris Paul for the minimum and you know that you're going into the season with your you have actually as of now, right, because you can sign uh, second round picks um, with that special exception without using cap space or whatever now, um, you know, you're going to have like, or I guess back or Shafina was a first round pick anyway, but you know, you're going into the season with Austin Reeves, D'Lo, Shafino and Max Christie. Those are your four guards. Two of those guards are like 20 years old. So if you can get like Chris Paul, and I know he's like 39 years old or whatever at this point, but if you can get him to be your fifth guard, it just takes like a lot of pressure 
off of your backcourt. That's a five guard rotation that in the aggregate would be making sub $40 million. You know, when you're looking at like the second apron number that we're trying to stay below, or even potentially the hard cap number that we're trying to stay below, being able to put together an entire like pretty legit, you know, guard rotation for sub $40 million is pretty nice. And Chris Paul, I think like he breaks down every year, but if he has D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, even Jalen Hachifino playing ahead of him to take the burden off, and you're talking about a 20, maybe 20-minute-per-game 20 guy for the whole season, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he could hold up, right? So it, it would have been really, really nice, um, and it kind of is going to be interesting now to me. I hope they don't overreact now that they can't get Chris Paul and like overpay for like another vet point guard because there's not like a ton of vet point guards who are currently out there on the market. Um but uh, yeah, it it was a nice to have, but it's it should be fine either way. Yeah, and we'll get into some of our options with the taxpayer Emily, non-taxpayer Emily in just a second. But personally, for me, kind of like what you said, I liked what it meant logistically for the Lakers in terms of roster construction and balancing out the roster and just getting a default tried and true talent in on the cheap that you won't be able to get elsewhere on the on the norm. But I'm also sort of relieved we don't have to deal with the CP3 banana boat D'Angelo Russell politics of it all. You know what I mean? Like who's starting, who's getting their feelings hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Now it can be sort of cut and dry because obviously there's baggage that comes with bringing in CP3 on the vet minimum, who's still a Hall of Fame player who expects certain things, right? So from that respect, I'm kind of relieved that we don't have to deal with it. I do still think, you know, Jalen Richafino aside that, we're still going to need uh, another backup point guard, combo guard, right? Even outside of D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, once they're retained, if they're retained. So so let's get into the taxpayer MLE, non-taxpayer MLE talk. The last time we talked about our MLE targets, we were working off of the previous CBA's 7.4 million taxpayer MLE. But with the new CBA implementations, we realized, Tommy... That it's now down to $5 million, the taxpayer Emily, which is nothing. It's uncompetitive. It's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know why they did this. Anyways, so the taxpayer Emily is now only $5 million. And if you use it, you're hard capped at the second apron. The non-taxpayer Emily stays at the previous CBA's rate of $12.2 million. And then the BAE is $4.4 million. Just the fact that the BAE is pretty much the same thing as the taxpayer Emily is kind of wild to me, but... There you go. Again, if you use the non-taxpayer Emily and BAE, you hard cap yourself at the first apron. The reason why I want to redo this segment is one, we have to be more realistic with our taxpayer Emily targets, Tommy. And then two, I think because of this change or because of our realization, I think this really opens up the door more for the non-taxpayer Emily and BAE being more realistic scenarios that we hadn't initially thought would be as realistic for the Lakers. So assuming Rui is kept at $15 million, Reeves is retained at his $12 million for the first two years, and let's say D'Lo returns at $20 million, the Lakers could actually have the non-taxpayer MLE of $12 million and the BAE of around $4.4 million available. They would just need to let go of Malik Beasley, and then also just waive Mo Bamba's $10 million non-guaranteed contract. Now, if they opt to go above the first apron and use the taxpayer MLE of $5 million instead, then the Lakers could also keep Rui, D'Lo, Reeves, and Mo Bamba at his $10 million deal, 
or Beasley at his $16 million team option deal, or maybe renegotiate Beasley down to $10 million for the next two years, or they could keep Lonnie Walker, and they just have to be below the second apron, and they would have more flexibility in that scenario. If they don't hard cap themselves, they also open up the possibility of trading Mo Bamba and Beasley for another player, like let's say a Buddy Heald, who can assume that spot. So really, to make this much more simplified, it really boils down to, number one, do you want D'Lo, Reeves, and Rui plus the non-taxpayer Emily plus BAE? Or do you want D'Lo, Reeves, Rui plus Mo Bamba or Beasley or Lonnie as tradable assets? And the taxpayer Emily of $5 million with a little bit more flexibility because you're not hard capped at the first apron. So do you have thoughts on if you have a preferred route or does it really boil down to who's available as a non-taxpayer Emily target and who the Lakers think they can get? It's that for me. So I think like, you know, by the time we have to maybe, you know, we get closer to free agency. Rob is going to have like a pretty good sense of what the market is looking like. I mean, if we can get replaceable, you know, if we can replace Bamba, who I think is like actually a pretty value contract, despite the fact that we, we haven't seen what he can do yet, um, just because of his size and and sort of developing skill set. But if we could replace that with a non-tax MLE signing, I think like Beasley and Lonnie, like those are like replaceable types of players. Um, but if we think that like some of these guys who we have on our list are going to just not be, not be there for the money that we want them at, I think there's a good argument to say, like keep the guys we have, try to renegotiate Beasley and then fill in with just the taxpayer MLE, um, you know, at 5 million, like a, maybe like a wing, um, a bigger, stronger wing, uh, who can shoot a little bit. And, and so I think there's arguments both ways and, and I don't think there's necessarily a right answer. I mean, long-term team building, maybe the non-tax MLE, like get, like try to get under the repeater, um, you know, threshold and sort of reset that. And yeah, I mean, like it does, it does cripple us a little bit with flexibility, like you mentioned, because of the hard cap, but, um, But yeah, I mean, they're both viable paths. It'll be interesting to see uh, what they think they can get. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's quickly jump into who you would take with the non-taxpayer MLE and the BAE. And then we'll also get into what if you split the non-taxpayer MLE and BAE. Um, Just to go over a quick list of guys who I think could command the non-taxpayer MLE. Those guys would include PJ Washington, restricted free agent if he's renounced. Kobe White, restricted free agent, if he's renounced, he'll probably get more than the non-taxpayer Emily, maybe. Grant Williams, if he's renounced. Matisse Thibel, if he's renounced. Jordan Clarkson has a player option. Bruce Brown is a popular name, has a player option. He'll probably go, he'll probably want more money, Tommy. So he is a non-taxpayer Emily candidate. Josh Hart, even though he'll get more money. And then the unrestricted free agents, Brooke Lopez, Nikola Vucevic, Karis LeVert, Christian Wood, Nas Reed, who who we talked about before, gave Vincent Harrison Barnes. So if you had $12.2 million to work with, Tommy, who is your number one candidate? And then who would be your BAE candidate for the $4.4 million? Give me your two new candidates. So remember, again, in this scenario, we've lost Bamba. So I think with the non-taxpayer MLE, we need a center, and especially a center Mm. who can stretch. We saw how much not having size hurt us in the playoffs last year. And although the game is getting, you know, you need dynamic players, you you still need big men. Um, 
because of that, my number one guy would be Brooke Lopez slash, I guess, mm-hmm. Nas Reed. Whichever one of the two of those guys you could get, with my personal slight preference being Lopez, I would go for that. Now, with the BAE, I think you get someone that, you know, maybe would have made more sense than Lonnie last year. Is kind of the archetype of player that I think we should have looked for last year that we didn't really, and that's Yuta Watanabe. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are maybe higher on Yuta than other people but the guy can clearly play i mean he can shoot the ball he you know he has the size to compete defensively he's still a developing prospect and he just seems like a good team player you know lonnie is 6'4 and we all sort of like rolled our eyes at that signing given the roster needs we had and i think like you know we don't necessarily need utah this year as as much as we did last year because we have Rui now but like Utah is still like a fantastic player at that size. He could shoot and he'll add a lot to this team. So I I think I would go with something like that if that was if that was the scenario. I like that a lot. I think I've come around to initially I had Nas Reed over Brooke Lopez just because of the age factor and the upside. But I think digging into Nas Reed's defense and maybe lack of defense, I've kind of soured on him a little bit. So yeah, I, I think if, if it came down to bigs, I would also go Brooke Lopez and then Nas Reed. If any of them two will take it. But for me, Tommy, this may surprise you. But for my non-taxpayer Emily, I'm going to give it to, and I did research on this. I'm not just saying this to be a hipster. Okay. I'm going to give it to Karis Levert, oh, if he'll take it. All right. And so I dug into his season this past year, and actually... According to Cavs, they didn't like him on offense because he's still sort of wild here and there, but he was actually a very improved defender. And because he was coming off the bench, he became more of like a complimentary sort of dude who, when guys were injured like Darius Garland or Donovan Mitchell and he was inserted into the starting lineup, I mean, Karis LeVert still will do Karis LeVert things on the offensive end and carry the team in terms of primary creation. I mean, he still averaged 12 points, 3.8 rebounds, 3.9 assists. And he can still get you 20 points on any given night. But I think what intrigued me the most was he was a very good defender and actually utilized and leveraged his length on the defensive end. Always been a really good steal percentage guy. He actually only averaged 1.6 turnovers, but 39% from three, 1.7 from three, 1.7 makes. Um, I just kind of like his mold. He's still only, I believe Karis LeVert is only 27. Um, Let me just check that out. 28. 610 wingspan I think if you know instead of like guys like Cam Reddish or someone like that I think I would go for a wing like Karis LeVert who can play both ends of the floor and may even still have a little bit of upside yes I know he's kind of wild on the offensive end but I just like the defensive flashes that he's shown in Cleveland this past season and then BAE I had Utah Watanabe as well as my number one target for all the reasons that you stated because he is that hustle guy. He always tries hard. He's obviously national teammates with Rui Hachimura in Japan. I think he was still a 44% three-point shooter with the Brooklyn Nets. He obviously got his role phased out when they brought in like four extra wings and forwards. I just think it's fun and dynamic to have another version of Vanderbilt who is just an energy motor hustle guy, but who can also space the floor, you know? And I could see scenarios where you're playing Utah and Jared Vanderbilt out there, and they're both wreaking havoc because of how much 
energy they're exerting on the court. You know, it's like having like a another version of Caruso. Although Utah is not the same defensive player as Caruso or even Vanderbilt, I just like that he always tries and uses his physicality and his length to his advantage. You do bring up a good point that because I use my non-taxpayer Emily on a wing, like now I'm seeing that we don't have a big because Mo Bamba's out there. So if not Utah Watanabe, maybe I would go with like a safer floor guy and go with like a Mason Plumlee for the BAE if he takes it. You know, he may just stay with the Clippers, but because I think they have his bird rights and they can sign him to more potentially. But if if you, I don't know, if he wants to switch locker rooms, I would go with Mason Plumlee. But yeah, Karis Levert and Utah Watanabe, do you have any thoughts on the Levert pick? It's an interesting pick. I mean, again, this this team seems to, and this offense that we're running, these long guards with ability to do multiple things, create off the dribble for themselves and for others are like sort of, I mean, they thrive in this system, right? So you could see Levert thriving in this system. My question on him was defense, which I think, you know, if, since you dug into it, that's helpful to know. Um, the Cavs were an elite defensive team last year. So like he's played in that environment at least for once, right? It's like he, yeah. he hasn't, he's past the Karis Levert stage of just being a pretty good player who just bounces mm-hmm. around like crap teams and puts up stats. Like he actually, like the Cavs were legit last year. So um, it is interesting. Now, would you give it to Bruce Brown if he were an option? I would give it to Bruce Brown if he w- were an option. But I think like, again, it because of the weak center class, it just, it puts you in a tough spot um, to fill, to fill that void. Um, but Bruce Brown is like, again, he's like another one of these, you know, we talked about it when we were in the course of discussing draft prospects, but like he is a strong guard who can switch on to bigger wings. And I mean, he just does a lot, a lot of nice things defensively. Yeah, for sure. And it will be funny to to have Bruce Brown and D'Angelo Russell on the same team after their tit for tats in the playoffs. All right, let's take it to break. When we return, let's get into two last scenarios. One where we split the MLE down the middle, $6 million, $6 million. And then one where we go with the reduced $5 million taxpayer MLE. Uh, So we will catch you guys after the break. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, guys. Quick call to action for yours truly, the Lakers Legacy Podcast. If you guys have enjoyed our off-season content this season, especially our NBA draft content, and you guys have gotten all the little nuggets and hot takes that you've needed. If you love all of our Moneyball margin options on the free agency market and stuff like that that we've thrown out in the past, if you just enjoy consuming our content, please, please, please take a moment to rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. Also, please take a moment to give us a five-star thumb tap on the Spotify app. Just search for the Lakers Legacy Podcast on the Spotify app and click that five-star dial at the top of our page. It's that easy to do. Everybody has the Spotify app. We would greatly appreciate it. It will do a lot in determining the future of this show moving forward, especially as we head into the 2023-24 season. But for those who have supported us and continually listened, shared, subscribed, given us reviews, given us five stars, for those who have given us money via Patreon, we truly appreciate you. If you haven't done any of these things yet, 
please consider doing so. It would mean a lot. And again, at this point, it's the only thing that drives this show. With that said, thank you for consuming our content and please enjoy the rest of the show. All right, Tommy. So let's move on to our second scenario where I actually think there are some benefits to splitting the non-taxpayer MLE, given the fact that, you know, the taxpayer MLE is now reduced to $5 million. You may be able to get more bang for your buck because the options are more limited for the free agents out there by making use of your $12 million non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which you can split up however way you want to. If you wanted to, you could go $4 million, $4 million, $4 million. But I think the most efficient way to use it would be to just split it into two higher taxpayer mid-levels at $6 million, $6 million. So let's say you split it that way and still had the BAE. How would you who would be your three picks in, in that respect? And I guess you can give me multiple options, but who would be your three picks? So my three picks, sort of the the rationale here is when you think about what has what this team has sort of shown, the style of play that this team has shown will be sustainable and 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 bring sort of sustained success around a LeBron and AD core is just defensive depth at all positions. So I sort of emphasize that with with uh, this build. I think Javon Carter, who we've talked about, if he'll take something around that range, he is like a pretty elite point of attack defender. Josh Richardson, whose name has floated around in the past, again, pretty elite like wing defender who can also do some other things. He can play, you know, shoot. He could shoot a little bit. He could put the ball on the floor. He could play make. I like him for that reason. And then adding another wing, and keep in mind, right, this is just the, all three of our, Beasley, Bamba, Lonnie, all these guys are gone, right? I think I would go with another wing, though, because I don't know that any big men are going to take anything in this range. We might have to go to minimum signings for someone, but the guy I would look for it with a BAE, and it just, like, depends on who would take it, but someone like Niang or um, mm-hmm. Tori Craig... Someone like that, like a stronger wing who can shoot a little bit, um, even like a Trey Lyles, um, if he'll take mm. something like that. So one of those three types of guys with the BAE. Yeah, I like that. So can you run down again your split MLE and BAE? So BAE is a Georges Niang type or Trey Lyles, and then your two split yeah. MLEs are? Javon Carter and Josh Richardson. Okay, I like that. Um, I'm guessing you pick Josh Richardson because you think guys like Jay Crowder would be out of range. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, So pretty similar with me as well. I think Josh Richardson is a very stable sort of get too. Um, Yeah, I initially had Jay Crowder here, but I do I do think he's probably going to get like $10 million. So I still think I would go back, Tommy, to what we initially had um, when we first did this exercise. And I would say I would still try and do like a like a Cam Reddish for one of the split MLEs. And then Javon Carter for the second MLE. And then with the BAE, I would I agree with you. I think we need some shooting and size. And then that's where I would go with a Georges Niang. Or even just Utah Watanabe again. So I would try and get the stable older guard in Javon Carter. Or maybe like a Dante DiVincenzo if he takes his player option. And then still try and swing a Cam Reddish sort of wing depth sort of deal. Maybe Jalen McDaniels if he ends up not commanding more than that. Obviously, the ideal scenario is you get Jay Crowder with a split MLE, but I am I think at this point he may command most, if not all, of the non-taxpayer MLE. Or, I don't know, do you think he would? 
Jay Crowder. I maybe not all of the non-taxpayer, but he's gonna get some. I think he's gonna be looking for something double digits, at least ten million. Now, would you do Dylan Brooks for any of these split Emilys instead of Josh Richardson or no? I just I know Dylan Brooks, like in theory, is better than all a lot of these guys, but I just don't like that guy. So personally, no, but um I wouldn't be I wouldn't hate it. Okay, that's fair. All right, so for me, for my split MLEs, I would do Cam Reddish, Javon Carter, and Georges Niang, or Cam Reddish slash Jalen McDaniels, or Georges Niang slash Yuta Watanabe for the BAE, with Javon Carter or Dante DiVincenzo being the other split MLE. All right, so let's move on lastly to our reduced $5 million taxpayer mid-level scenario. And, And in this scenario, you know, Maybe we have Bamba back. Maybe we renegotiated Beasley down to $10 million or we kept Lonnie Walker instead. Or we traded two of those guys or one of those guys for a new player like a Buddy Heald or something. Um, But we only have $5 million to use. Who realistically at that point, knowing you only have this one spending tool to use, would you try and get? I think similar to what I, you know, the BAE for the last couple, I, I think like since we're keeping Bamba, we're fine with a with a big man, which is good. We could probably keep one or maybe even both, depending on Be- how we renegotiate with Beasley. But like, you know, Beasley, Lonnie, like those are options, right, of guys to bring back. So I would look for, again, a bigger wing who could have some potential to play the four. And and to me, the guy is Niang. Yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I'm too high on him, but he just seems to like fit on this on this roster with his ability to shoot and his strength. Yeah, I hate to be boring, but I had Georges Niang in here as well. I put asterisks on, would Cam Reddish take the $5 million deal? I don't know. If he would, then yeah, I could see a Cam Reddish upside swing. But I feel like Georges Niang is that mature type of prospect who knows his role at this point is a knockdown three-point shooter. It's kind of strong and stout. He's going to get blown by because he's slow-footed, but at least he can space the floor for you and is a smart sort of veteran-type player that the Lakers could use. So, yeah, those are our new mid-level scenarios on all fronts. Tommy, have you been able to take a look on any veteran minimum options out on the market of guys that you're interested in? I think the Lakers will have to maybe fill in, like, three veteran minimum spots do you have any guys at the top of your list that you would be like yeah he'd be interesting for the vet minimum um i think i'm looking at i mean there's like a lot of somewhat intriguing names and some of this depends on who we end up getting right with with the various scenarios we ran through I don't know if he'll take it, but and maybe I'm just like I'm, I'm having this like Laker brain damage that happens when you hear the same name thrown around for like 20 years. And it's like, how is this guy still in the NBA? Terrence Ross, I would look at, OK, if he's available mm. for the vet minimum, he is a good shooter. He's a good scorer. He's a nice player to have off the bench, I think. Justin Holiday is someone who I've been interested in trying to pick up for a few years at this point. I think he plays solid defense. and He's just like a solid like role player type. Robin Lopez, depending on where we land with some of our other picks, I think would be interesting. He has the Darvin Ham connection. He he, you know, has played for him before and and understands what we're going to try to do defensively. And he gives us a strong body and also like an, an option where you think like if you get a third center and throw him into the mix or like a big four who plays some small ball five. Robin's not a guy who's going to sit on the bench and pout. He's like a nice situational player who like you you're matched up against Jokic in the playoffs like it doesn't matter if you didn't play him the entire season you could just throw him in there and he'll he'll perform um 
Stanley Johnson, I would be pretty interested in bringing him back. The one thing that makes me nervous is like, obviously he didn't, you know, it's like, why is he not able to like really stick anywhere, you know? And it's like, is he losing skills like constantly sitting on his couch for months at a time before he gets like, you know, called up. Um, and then last guy, I think on my list of, of people I would look into. And, and again, I'm not sure if he's like maybe turned a corner and fallen off the ledge a little bit, but Jamichael Green, I think, you know, he could yeah. play some small ball five. He can be, he can play stretch four. He can do some interesting things. He's pretty tough in the paint. Um, depending on the rest of the roster makeup, I, I'd be interested in Jamichael Green. So I like the the direction you went because you kind of went with more veteran experienced guys, right? Yeah. So I'll yeah. take it the different direction and go with some more Wenyan Gabriel, Stanley Johnson type younger guys who have kind of just flown off the radar because they've bounced around. They used to be first round picks who never lived up to that hype. So a couple of my options include if they'll take the veteran minimum would be a guy like O'Shea Brissett, who we've talked about in the past. Indiana is going to have a roster crunch and he's going to need to find a new team. Maybe someone will give him like a portion of the BAE or whatever, but I feel like he's a vet min type player. And, you know, we've talked about O'Shea in the past a lot in terms of just his great measurables, how athletic he is, how he has a three point shot profile that you like. So I like O'Shea Brissett. And then one guy that I'm keying in, keying in on who's my new like version of Isaiah Hardenstein and uh, Utah Watanabe is Former Lakers V. Mikhailu. I think we could use his shooting again, Tommy. I mean, 6'7". He's bounced around, but last year with Charlotte, he really showed when he actually got time the ability to hit threes and kind of playmake a little bit. A lot of the flashes that we saw when he was a rookie with us, I mean, so last year in eight starts with the Charlotte Hornets, V. Mikhailu averaged 17 points, four rebounds, five assists, on 44% from the field, 38% from three, 79% from the free throw line. And if you can have that guy coming off the bench to space it for you while being able to handle the ball in a pinch, I think it's time to bring back Svi, who, you know, in the picture that I used for our video clips, I have you, your picture with Svi Mikhailu up there when you, when you met him at the gym. <laughs> so I would highlight Svi Mikhailu. I also like bringing back Stanley Johnson, maybe kick the rocks on Darius Baisley, clutch client who got traded to the Phoenix Suns. I like his length as a wing. And then when it comes to veteran minimum bigs, I've said his name before, but Drew Eubanks, do not sleep on Drew Eubanks. I think he's an athletic big who plays smart. He gets a lot of blocks, played pretty well for Portland. Last year in April, he averaged 14 points, seven rebounds, two assists, had 12 blocks in only three games in April, so that's like four blocks a game. Um, I just like what he provides as a big man, a pretty versatile big man, and if he's like coming off the bench, that will be intriguing. Along the same lines, like, can we kick the rocks on Mo Wagner again, former Laker Mo Wagner? I don't know if Orlando will let him go because he's currently teammates with his own brother, but Mo Wagner, hustle guy off the bench who can space the floor a little bit. And then also from the Orlando Magic, former first-round pick, Gogo Batadze. I think you can, if you like moneyball the margins a little bit, you can find some of these young, former first-round picks, early second-round picks who have played end-of-the-bench roles on crappy teams who just need a reset and could fill a role for a Lakers team. So look out for those guys. And then 
Also, if Dennis Smith Jr. is somehow laying around out there, I think we could use like another third point guard who's very athletic and likes to play defense as well. So yeah, those would be my picks for veteran minimum dudes. And yeah, we'll just see what happens. It's really going to start from the top with regards to what we do with the guys that we retain. If we trade for anybody new, if we end up using the tax pyramid level or the non-tax pyramid level, and then we'll see how we fill out the roster from there. But Yeah, Tommy, any last thoughts on anything? It's just, you know, we've kind of jokingly referenced Rob Plinka's, you know, Rubik's Cube spinning over the last few years. But I think this year in particular, like, it's maybe going to be the most interesting. It's it's like the first time in his tenure, well, maybe the second time, that it's not going to be like a complete roster overhaul I guess from 2020 after we won the championship to 2021 we kind of kept most of the same core together but since then it's been just like roster overhaul after roster overhaul and so you know it's interesting because we have the potential to do roster overhaul but like everything they're saying publicly is that they want to keep the core together and and so it's just like it's going to be interesting to me to see which direction they go and you know it's sort of like the domino effect of what ends up being like their first move and how that affects how they view everything else moving forward. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be very interesting. Last two guys that I forgot to mention who are on the OKC Thunder, who I think may get crunched out because of all the draft picks that are coming in again would be Aaron Wiggins, who we've talked about before, and Isaiah Joe. They are both on non-guaranteed deals. And if OKC cuts them, those are the types of prospects. Again, young dudes who have shown flashes, who can shoot, who can score, that I feel like these are the new Stanley Johnsons, right? And I think the Lakers need to kick rocks on one or two of them with the vet minimum. And then obviously go with two or like one or two from Tommy's list of tried and true veterans in the likes of Terrence Ross. I don't know if you mentioned TJ Warren, but maybe TJ Warren's a veteran minimum guy again. Will Barton, maybe. But yeah, that'll do it for this updated free agency episode. Free agency is fast approaching, and obviously we'll get into the thick of things once it arises. But yeah, with that said, buckle up once again. And Tommy, I will catch you later when we have a whole slew of new guys that we that we can talk about. See ya. Peace. Laters. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.